Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. In today's episode, we're talking with Jack Jones from the Banksia Project as we discuss mental health, in particular in young men. A disclaimer about today's episode, today's topics might be a little bit touching and sensitive for some. So if you are feeling challenged while you're listening at all, or perhaps after the episode, please make sure you reach out for help. There are some amazing services, so Lifeline on 131114 or 000. Eighty-two men call triple zero every day in Australia dealing with mental health challenges. Two hundred and forty people every day uh, making some sort of attempt on their own life. Some of the other factors that probably go into that are, you know, trying to break down the mental health stigma that's in the this community. is making men feel comfortable to sign up. Jack, welcome to Coogee Voice. Let's start off. Tell us a bit about your background and how you got into working in the mental health space. Firstly, Marge, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have a chat. Uh, for me, it was a combination of things. I'd always sort of studied to work in health. Um, I spent a long time working in a health uh, system, whether it was at the hospital or um, GPs or medical clinics. But I then spent a lot of time mentoring young Aboriginal kids um, at NASCAR, the National Aboriginal Sporting Chance Academy. During that time, while I was there, I actually went through some severe mental health challenges. So I was diagnosed with major depression and suicidality um, and had some really tough times. Um, for me, I was a straight, white, well-educated male. I played some high-level sport, uh, particularly being rugby, which is obviously quite a, a stereotypically masculine uh, environment. And for me, that was amazing, but I still had these feelings that I wasn't necessarily doing so well. Um, I was struggling. I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know who to talk about. And then probably when I did talk about it, the people in my network weren't necessarily skilled enough to have that conversation safely. So for me, I went through a, a quite a tough time dealing with that and then worked my way through it through a lot of um, trial and error uh, with professional help and, and then kind of came out the other side of that and went, well, if I had all of those things in my corner, you know, I had all education, I had great networks, I had great friends, great family and still didn't know how to deal with it safely, how many other people don't? Um, so I came to a, an event that the Banksia Project were putting on and, and fell in love with the message of let's actually help people and men particularly before crisis occurs rather than waiting for it to occur and picking up the pieces. That's something that we strongly focus on. I put my hand up to volunteer for 12 months while I was still working um, at NASCAR and from that point on uh, I was given the first job and, and been working now at the Banksia Project for two years. That's a good segue. What is the Banksia Project? So as I touched on earlier, um, the Banksy Project is all about preventative mental health uh, for people in the community. So it's giving community members practical skills that they can use when crisis occurs. We all have challenges, um, but it's about knowing how to deal with those challenges safely. And, and we do have a community focus on men at, at this point in time. So giving men tools they can use to deal with those challenges. And that might be something like how to communicate effectively so that when challenges pop up, they can talk to their loved ones about that. 
Um, you know, it might be the importance of sleep, diet, to be mindful, to be grateful, forgiveness, a whole range of tools, but also then just providing a safe space um, for people to deal with their challenges and to talk and have a safe audience um, and discuss it in a safe way as well. I think probably to to preface that, there's a the whole movement of Are You Okay is amazing, but um, it's it's limited. I probably wouldn't be able to sit here and do my job if it wasn't for all the work they've done in creating awareness and community momentum. But what we're now trying to say is, okay, well, if you're not quite sure how you're feeling, if you're not quite okay, here's a safe space for you to talk about it. Here's safe people to talk to and here's safe methods to actually talk, um, to express how you're feeling. And, and that's sort of what we're trying to cultivate at the Banksia Project. Uh, your experience actually isn't that unusual on average one in eight men will experience depression one in five men will experience anxiety at some stage in their life Uh, and on average six out of every eight suicides every single day in australia are men what is happening in our society do you think that's driving this Look, I think it's it's a real combination of factors. There, there's some even worse statistics to add on that. You know, 82 men call triple zero every day in Australia dealing with mental health challenges. That says there are a lot of men struggling. Um, for every person who does take their own life, another 30 people attempt to every day. So 240 people um, every day uh, making some sort of attempt on their own life. And it it and not only that, um, I think. Australian men are in a box and there's a whole nother conversation about who puts us there, whether it's ourselves, whether it's other people. But I think that either way, we're not healthy. Um, we're hurting ourselves and we're hurting those around us. And and that is a really dangerous thing. So I think there's a whole range of factors of why that is, um, particularly, you know, our environment. Is it nature? Is it nurture? Um, and I think it's a combination of the two. Men are told that we need to be the breadwinners, that we need to um, be stoic, be masculine, not show weakness. You know, we can be a better athlete if we're, um, if we're not showing weakness and we're, we're stronger than anyone that comes across our path. And, and those sorts of things are really great traits and they make us competitive, they make us elite and they make us good at work or whatever it is, but they also are really damaging. Um, it tells us not to show weakness or not to ask for help and not to be vulnerable. So how is the Banksia Project addressing that? We're really going about it in a few different ways. Um, we've firstly got major programs where we try and get, you know, two or 300 in a room to talk about issues at hand. Now, they're for men and women. Um, some of the topics that we've touched on previously are mental health, sexuality and gender. We've spoken about managing mental health and financial stress, mental health in sport, mental health in the workplace, a whole range of different factors where we get lived experience and professional expertise to talk about um, that topic at hand. But our ongoing program is probably our real point of difference. It's called a growth room. It's a once a month meetup for a group of about eight to 10 men who connect for about two hours. Now, during that two hour session, we have trained facilitators who run that session. It's a peer based group, but we have two people who almost steer traffic. Um, we get these facilitators to teach these guys, you know, all the modules I was talking about before designed by mental health professionals, but how important it is to sleep well, to eat well, the things that we can control while we're healthy and well so that when things go wrong and we always have challenges, we can deal with those safely. Um, some of the other factors that probably go into that are, you know, trying to break down the mental health stigma that's in the, the community, um, trying to teach others how to have conversations with the blokes or females around them to actually talk about their own experience but give other people permission to do the same. So really a 
ongoing support program for these guys. And we really like to emphasize this like a gym for the mind. So it's not come when you're feeling at rock bottom. Sure, we want to open our doors to those people, but it's more importantly, come before you get there. Learn the skills that you need so that you can then go and be healthy and well and happy and most importantly, resilient. Um, So then what we do is we also provide... After that module, the education piece, we get our guys to just connect, to talk about the really good things that are happening, some of the challenging things that are happening, and have a safe space to do so. What we then do as the Banks Here Project is provide our facilitators, who are community members, um, unqualified, we provide them with clinical support so that if they, if there is anyone in their program who is struggling, our community volunteers aren't having to make any sort of risk assessment or triage. We get them straight into a mental health professional to make sure these people are safe. So... In a, in a summary, it's a community-based forum, but we really make sure there's qualified clinical oversight as well. For anyone that was looking to get involved or join one of the meetups, whereabouts are they located around Sydney? So we have a whole range, and it's a really good question. We, we have, uh, at the moment, in the eastern suburbs, for example, we've got a Bondi, Bondi Junction, uh, a CBD. We've got, we're about to launch Maroubra. We've also got a Piermont and then heading a bit to the North Shore, we've got uh, North Sydney, North Ride, Brookvale. We've then got Parramatta at Strathfield. So we're pretty much everywhere. Um, but we also have trained facilitators who are in all different areas. Basically, all we need now is the participants and we're ready to go. Um, so it's a really exciting thing that rather than the Banksia Project putting people in the community and saying, we're going to support you, it's actually a bit of the other foot. So it's we're actually going to train local community members to support their own community. So all we need is two people from that area to put their hand up and do our training, which is entirely free, and then we give them the tools and the program to actually run for their community. Fantastic. You've worked in the mental health space for quite a period of time now. What do you think government can be doing more of to be addressing mental health issues in our communities? Look, I see it as a really challenging environment for anyone in the space. Um, for example, uh, you know, we're running these programs, but the hardest part is making men feel comfortable to sign up. Now, that's beyond the control of ourselves, government, etc. but it would be great to, to encourage that. Some of the challenges that I think government faces, they're so focused on the crisis end and they need to be, but... When that crisis stops, the person, for example, gets admitted to an ED department, they might stay in for overnight or for a few days, they're discharged and somewhere like a hospital setting has nowhere um, or no scope to actually help those people back into the community or to settle after that. Um, so I think government are really focused on dealing with that crisis end, but there needs to be a whole lot more on the preventative aspect. You know, let's encourage people to be healthy and well so that hopefully that ED doesn't need as many admissions or the hospital um, setting isn't under as much demand from mental illness. So logistically, how does a program work? So as I mentioned, we train two local facilitators. What we'll then say is we'll allocate them to a a suburb, we'll we'll find a location and we'll we'll nominate a day and a time. So it might be the first Tuesday of the month from 6 till 8pm. From that point, we advertise to the local community, you know, it might be in the local shops or on our website, social media, all that kind of stuff, to gather about eight or ten blokes. They register on our website, so that's www.thebanksiaproject.org.au, and from that point, we actually engage them into the program. From that point, they meet up once a month, the same group of about eight or ten consistently meet up. We've, we've had programs running in Bondi Junction, for example, for over three years, so... 
it, almost these guys find their team and they just go back. The first couple of months, I assure them they won't want to go. They won't feel like it. And the second they leave that room, they're just over the moon. So we sort of try and really encourage that first three to six months of just stick with it, even though you won't feel like it. From that point, um, it's, it's almost like they miss out if they don't go. And the data we're seeing is phenomenal. Um, uh, uh, I've got one fresh of mine. We had a guy in Dubbo who's, who's a farmer. He's actually an hour and a half out of Dubbo. Um, and he, he's dealing with some of the hardest challenges he's ever faced. He said both of his kids have now moved away. Um, the drought is the worst he's ever seen and he's a 50-year-old farmer. And some of our stats that he had, you know, ability to cope with hard times in his life went from 47 out of 100 to 90 out of 100 over the past 12 months. So, and I'm not saying that's from our programs alone, but giving him a support network to actually talk about those challenges has just been amazing. And then that's happening across the spectrum, whether they're people in Dubbo, we're in our rural programs, or men in the city who just need to learn how to deal with their challenges proactively. So why do the Banksia programs work? Look, I think it's it's a combination of factors. For me, um, men really need to give each other permission to be vulnerable. And, you know, you can say as many times as you like, I'm here for you, I'm here to support, tell me how you're feeling. But until I actually break that ice myself and I show vulnerability, the audience doesn't want to follow suit. If I'm sitting there with one of my mates, for example, and I'm willing to be vulnerable, talk about my challenges, talk about my mental health challenges – it's so amazing the phenomenon that they all start talking about their own challenges. And I'm not talking about my story because I want to be heard. But what I'm doing is I'm breaking that ice and I'm giving them permission to follow suit and be vulnerable. And I really think that's something we need to try and encourage. Our programs are giving examples of people being vulnerable. But when you asked me before about, you know, Australian men, why is there such an issue? I think we need to get more people standing up and being vulnerable, but then controlling that in a safe environment. So what our growth rooms are doing is is giving permission for other people to be vulnerable but capturing that safely, giving them safe tools to talk about how they feel and then if necessary, the qualified support pathways rather than just saying let's have a chat and hopefully deal with it safely. So for parents, carers, sports coaches that are you know raising the young men of the future, what can they do to change this next generation of men? Look, I think there's a whole range of things as well. Um, I think firstly – educate themselves on the skills to uh, a lot of people start talking about mental health first aid that is dealing with people in crisis that is dealing with people with severe mental health challenges and keeping them safe which is a really important skill but for me there's a whole range of skills that need to come before that so fostering a safe conversation providing a safe platform for other people to talk about how they feel and dealing with that safely i think first and foremost we all need to recognize that we're actually not experts in this space so we need to be able to facilitate a safe conversation, give people the opportunity to talk about what they need and most importantly, know the referral pathways and get our p- friends to that. Um, I, I always, you know, I think we all do, particularly men, we want to fix, we want to solve. That's our instinct. Whereas I think it's actually so much more valuable if our solution is let's get my best mate to the appointment he needs. I'll drive you there. I'll make the appointment. I'll sit outside while you're talking to that professional. But it's not my job to fix it. It's my job to get you the qualified help. If we're starting to look at, you know, parents, um, coaches, all those things, I think giving these kids permission to say, you know what, it is okay that you're vulnerable at times. And obviously there's a time and a place, but you need to really make sure that you're giving these young kids and young generations um, permission to express their emotions. There's a whole sort of um, range of 
you know, when you see a little kid crying straight away, you say, don't cry. And it's actually, well, cry. If that's, if that's the emotion you're feeling, cry as, as long as you want. And I'm here to support you. It's not stop that emotion. It's I'm here for you. So I think there's a whole range of things that we need to change. Um, but then I also, particularly with that athlete um, environment, I think it's really important that we teach young athletes, yes, you may be a better player if you're elite, not showing emotion, you know, you're stronger than the opposition mentally, physically, whatever that is, but we also need to educate them on taking that jersey off. When they step off that field, it's actually stronger for them to show emotion, to show vulnerability and ask for help when they need it. So most people in the eastern suburbs would uh, look after their physical body and go to the gym on a regular basis. I am an F45 member, 5am at Coogee. For people just like me, how should we be managing our mental health well-being on a daily basis? I think it's, it's really important that we're taking time to actually check in. Um, so check in with ourselves. How are we feeling? Um, how much time have we been spending at work? How much time have we been spending with our friends, our family? You know, trying to balance everything and we don't stop enough. We just need to stop for a few minutes and sort of assess how things are. But I also think there are some really um, practical skills. So learning what helps us. Um, for example, learning about our own self-care, you know, what do we start behaving like when we're feeling challenged, um, which we all have certain behaviours that start popping up. But then most importantly, what can we do to solve that, you know? So for me, getting down to the beach, um, spending having a nice coffee with a friend or spending time with my partner, uh, really things that help my well-being. And so making sure that I do them more when I'm starting to feel challenged. But it's also really important that what works for me isn't going to work for everyone else. So it's important that people spend that time to work out how they can help themselves, what makes them feel better, and then actually do that. I think it's really important, you know, um, our work is going to end. If, if we left our job tomorrow, someone else would fill that job. So it's really important that we go, yep, I'm a really good, you know, lawyer, doctor, whatever you want to be, but I'm also a really good friend, really good family member and, and a good person. And those sorts of things will keep us healthy and well um, in, in a, in a long lasting way. So tell us a little bit about the Banksia project in the Eastern suburbs specifically. I see you around a fair bit at different community events. Feels like you're following me, Marge. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's amazing. Um, I've had so much great support, particularly in that sort of Ramwick, Coogee, Bondi, Maroubra hub. We've, we've been the um, recipient of some donations through the Taste of Coogee Festival last year. Also through the Coogee Family Fund Day, we're involved. Places like Smart Chat down at Coogee Pavilion, first Thursday of the month, you and I always get coffee down there, which is lovely. <laughs> A good place to start the day. But it has really been amazing just that community that we've developed. Being a part of the Banksia project is developing into not just attending a program once a month, but being a part of a family that is there for each other throughout the year. Um, and it's really exciting to have local businesses and local community members partnering with things like that. And, and you're, you've been a great support as well. So thank you. Thank you, Jack. Jack, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for being vulnerable with people listening. Before you go, I've got three quick questions to ask you. First one is, where can you get the best burgers in the eastern suburbs? Uh, I've, I've just come across a new one called Big Buns uh, on Airzac Parade and they are phenomenal. So I, I have to advocate for that one. Okay. Where can you get the best coffee? I really love a little more on uh, Belmore Road in Ranwick. Um, I used to spend way too much time and money in that place, but their coffee is amazing, so I'll keep going back. And which is your favourite beach to swim at? Um, favourite beach would be probably, I, I really like Marne Pool. 
Um, so, and it's not quite a, a beach, but it's a little secret spot that not as many people go to. And Pool Cafe just up the hill is also amazing for a, a Saturday morning brunch. So it's perfect. Well, thanks, Jack, for joining us on Coogee Voice. Thank you for having me. How great was that to have Jack share his personal story as well as the really important work that the Banksia Project is doing? Just a reminder, if you are struggling, reach out to the Banksia Project, www.banksiaproject.org, and seek help. Just a reminder, St. Patrick's Day is coming up and I'm hosting a fundraiser where all proceeds are going to the Irish Support Agency. So join me on the 14th of March from 7am at Coogee Beach, followed by breakfast at Coogee Legion Club. Again, all proceeds from the event are going to the Irish Support Agency. You've been listening to another episode of Coogee Voice.